This is Motley Fool Answers. Bro is back! Yay! And he now has four extra holes in his belly. Isn't that correct? I think they're in my belly, yes. So I was hoping that you would somehow incorporate your holes into your Halloween <laughs> costume this year. And I was thinking you could be like a sexy human sieve or that's something a, like that. That's one possibility. The other one is maybe be the operation game, you know, where people have to reach in and try to take things out. Now that I have these extra holes, it could be very interesting. I love it. Looking on the bright side. Yeah. We also have Morgan Housel. He's back this week to talk about some of the most popular stock market superstitions. And since it is peak pumpkin spice season, we asked four fools to bring in their favorite festive fall food so that we can crown the king of all things pumpkin spice. It might make for lousy radio, but you get what you pay for. All this and more on this week's episode of Motley Fool Answers. Before we get started, I want to thank everyone who sent in a video message for me to show at Foolapalooza. So far, the record for the longest distance comes from Tim in Australia, and the cutest comes from Austin in Alabama. He's four years old. Actually, Tim from Australia is pretty cute, too. As a reminder, I'm asking for video selfies from you and our Foolish community that I can show at our annual company retreat. Tell us your first name, where you're from, and a short message. Maybe the fool helped you invest in a great company. Maybe you took Robert Brokamp's advice and retired early to the villages. Or maybe you have a crush on Tom Gardner. He's single, ladies. I think... The deadline is Thursday the 22nd. Soon, I know. You can email your selfie if, um, video, please keep it to less than 10 seconds, to answers at fool.com. I would love to see if we can get some people from other countries and where my lady's at. In return, I will send you a totally safe for work video of Bro Camp as a sexy human sieve or something like that. Thanks in advance. You guys are the best. Today, we are talking about market superstitions and omens, because it's Halloween! Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, it's a little scary. That was good. That's a nice wind sound. Thank you very much. Wow, we gotta maybe get you doing more special effects in the future. <laughs> nope, nope. Get your arm out of your armpit. That's not that's not the kind of show we do here. This is this is classy. Morgan Housel is back. He's a senior analyst with Motley Fool One. He, he is also a behavioral finance expert. And so he is going to walk us through some of these market superstitions and omens. Um, before we get going, we should probably explain a little bit about how at the Motley Fool, we are long-term investors. So generally speaking, superstitions and omens don't scare us. But what is the kind of investor that would be spouting this kind of stuff or taking it into account? Someone who is uh, on TV and needs something to say. <laughs> Someone who is trying to get other people's attention. Uh, that's about it. That's that's about it. So really, <laughs> that's roughly the the list of people. So people who basically just need to fill the airtime when they're on CNBC and. Yeah, that, that's, and scare people. That's ninety-eight percent of the list. Yeah, yeah. There are people. I mean, people, <laughs> I, I, I think there there are people who take these seriously, uh, but that's also true of tarot cards and palm readers. So, <laughs> uh, as we'll discuss, some of these have some basis in history, at least in the numbers, and I think people certainly want to find some sort of edge. Is there some way I can do better with my investment? So, I think that's where some of these come from. But some of them are are just bogus, as we'll discuss. 
So the first one we're going to talk about is very timely. It is the presidential election cycle theory. Now, there are some theories out there that say the market's going to go up or down depending on whether a Democrat or Republican gets elected. I think it depends on your affiliation, which you believe. Yeah. Um, but there is a theory that stocks decline in the year immediately following the presidential election and then go up over the course of the next three years, no matter who wins the election. Here's my problem with these. Uh, there are only 40-some-odd presidents in history. And of the good stock market data that we have, which is maybe about 100 years, there are, I didn't do the math, I'm guessing, what, maybe a dozen presidents? Eight, 18 presidents, something like that? If you were to try to make a statistic about the stock market is more likely to go up or down, you would need hundreds of examples before it was statistically significant. But we only have maybe a dozen. So. So even if someone went back and did the math and said, "Look, the year after an election, uh, the stock market is likely to go up," the odds of that is just random chance by looking at ten or twelve examples is really high. You would need you would need hundreds of presidents, which would take hundreds and hundreds of years before we have that much data. So to me, it's just a good example, even if it is true of just data mining. Yeah, and and you don't have to look too far back to see that it actually didn't hold true. Yeah. In two thousand nine, the market did very well. Two thousand five, the market did okay. Um, so, if you try to follow these things, you're, you're going, there are going to be enough times where it doesn't pan out that you wish you didn't follow it. All right, the next is one that was one of the first cliches that I noticed on our, I guess, superstitions and omens. One of the first ones that I kind of learned when I started working at The Fool, and it is sell in May and stay away. It's also known as the Halloween indicator. And here's where I get to make my sound again. Ooh. It's the idea that it is bad to own stocks in the summer. I think this is an excuse for stockbrokers to just spend the summer in the Hamptons and not invest and do their job. Well, that's yeah. one of the theories for why it happens is that they do sell their stocks so they don't have to worry about holding on to those while they're on vacation. It's also just like Robert was saying earlier, uh, it's a good theory on the years that it works. And not a good theory on the year is that it doesn't work. <laughs> and good luck p- picking which one is going right. to do poorly. 2009, in the summer of 2009, stocks went up 25 some odd percent. So if you follow this on a year like that, you would, you would be less than happy. There is um, some evidence, like, according to Yardini, Yardini research, the worst month for the stock market is September. And um, if you think of some of the worst one day drops, a lot of them did happen in the fall. So that's part of where this comes from. Um, and some of the best months are not during that period, except the very best month is July. So you would miss that. Um, it's another one of those situations where you could dig through the numbers and find validation for it. But whether or not you could translate it into a winning strategy, number one, and stick with it during the times it doesn't work, I don't think most people can do that. All right, next one is the Super Bowl indicator. Let me see if I can get this right. If the NFC wins the Super Bowl, we get a bull market. If the AFC wins, it's a bear market. Apparently, it has been right 33 out of 41 years. It just strikes me as having as much logic as the groundhog predicting the length of winter. It's like, why would that possibly make any difference in what the stock market is going to do? Really, what it means is that the stock market being down this year is all due to Seattle throwing that interception at the end of the, the, end of the last Super Bowl. Isn't that the worst? <laughs> yeah. I think football players would like to think of themselves as having that much power over 
the global economy trillions and trillions of dollars of stock markets but i don't it's think cuz they make some, they they make it really that much did. money they can't <laughs> win <laughs> um it, it, along the lines of what Mar- morgan said whenever you hear these types of things you have to think all right is there any reason why that would be true is there any economic or investment reason why yeah this could be a valid reason this is a situation where there's just no we reason we have so much data that you can go back uh, and cherry pick virtually anything you want. And if you go back and just start looking for correlations, you might find things. The, the correlations, like there may actually be a correlation between who wins the Super Bowl and stocks. But unless you can rationally tie it in and say, here's why that makes sense, you're probably just found a spurious correlation that doesn't hold any value. Have I brought up the study that shows that the uh, GDP of a country is inversely related to the average size of a man's, you know what? It's true. You just did. I just did. (laughs) Well, apparently, if the Mets make the World Series, which has only happened four times in the last 40 years, it's a bad omen for the stock market. Also, it's supposed to be bad if a horse wins a triple crown, which has only occurred like three times in the last 50-some years. I would say scan the Forbes list of richest people in the world and see how many people, how many of them made their fortune by betting their stocks on whether the Mets made the playoffs. I don't think you're going to find many of them. No. <laughs> Only like three or four. <laughs> None. 20% of the time, it works every time. <laughs> All right, next one is the Santa Claus rally. And the Santa Claus rally is that we can expect to see a rally in stocks leading up into the new year. I think the problem with a lot of these is that if everyone expects there to be a Santa Claus rally, then they're going to try to buy ahead of it. So it turns into the Thanksgiving rally, which turns into the Halloween rally, which turns into the but it Labor, kind of becomes Labor Day a self-fulfilling rally. prophecy. It's like but like Christmas, the Christmas season it's a itself. It just keeps moving. Yeah, back. it's a self-fulfilling creep. prophecy. But everyone is trying to one-up it, so it eventually just kind of gets washed out. Again, it's it is one that you could you could look through numbers and find um, a basis for it. So December and January are two of the best months to be an investor. It just doesn't work every time. Two thousand nine. Uh, People wish they were not in the stock market during those months, but you know, it just doesn't it doesn't work every time. Yeah. All right. The last one we're going to talk about is the Hemline Index, which I think this one is considered a leading indicator. Okay. Because it's the idea that the shorter the skirt, the stronger the economy. So a leading indicator, and well, you can explain what a leading indicator is. Something that's going to predict what the economy is going to do next. So the idea. Was first noted in two thousand or in nineteen twenty six by a Wharton professor, who was probably a little skeezy if he's looking at all the coeds. <laughs> I want to know likes. how they measure it. That's what. <laughs> Come here, young lady. I got a ruler. But the adage is bull market bear knees, and I guess the idea is that when it's a tougher, when it's a bull market and a happy economy, then designers have more fabric that they can buy and work with and sell. But then that's I don't know. I don't really get this one. I don't think you're supposed to get it. I don't okay. think it's. I don't think it's. You're supposed. But to a Wharton it. professor who probably dated way too many of his students, or at least tried to, <laughs> tells me that this is true. Well, this, good uh, luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> was he doing it as sort of like? Uh, yeah. Here's an example of a silly thing that you know, if you try to look into the tea leaves, you'll find something. Or, or was he really suggesting that this is something people should follow? I don't know his motivations beyond wanting to look at young girls' legs. <laughs> That's really all I know. But yeah, so you're going to tell me that this is bogus? There's another famous Wharton grad who says some funny things about the economy right now, too. Who's that? Donald Trump. I didn't know he went to Wharton. Yeah. yeah. So don't believe everything you hear from 
Wharton grads. <laughs> <laughs> what a luxurious education can be found at Wharton. Well, I think that covers some of our scariest omens and superstitions. Do you want to hear it one last time? Because I want to say it one last Sounds time. Sounds like we're going to go right ahead. <laughs> I find your costumes terrifying, by the way. <laughs> Thank I just you. wanted to let you know. Thank you. Way to bring it for Halloween. Sales of pumpkin flavored things have increased 78% since 2011, and Starbucks alone rakes in $80 million from PSL sales. It's pumpkin spice latte. These days, if you can name it, it comes in pumpkin this time of year. Dog food, Pringles, soap, and salmon. So today, I've brought on four fools who are fans of the pumpkin to vote on the best of the best. Let's go around the horn and say your name and what you do here at The Fool. Hi there, my name is Sarah Klieger, and I work on internal communications. My name is Eric Stadnick, and I work in the legal department. I'm Ann Henry, and I'm a multimedia producer. Uh, I'm Taylor Harris, and I produce videos for marketing. Very cool. While the pumpkin flavor craze is only heating up, Nielsen reports that we are purchasing, actually, fewer pumpkins every year. So, what are we talking about when we talk about pumpkin? Anyone who's actually taken a spoonful of pumpkin knows that it doesn't taste good. It doesn't really taste like anything. Yeah. Exactly. It's, yeah. Pumpkin is a lot like coffee or tea, where it sort of it has its own flavor, but pumpkin's kind of bland, until you kick it up, often with cream and sugar and spices. And that's when it becomes this delicious thing, which you can't do to just anything. I can't take, you know, celery and add sugar and cream to it and make it delicious. It's still celery. Whereas you can pumpkin, try. You can put peanut butter on it. I, they tried. They made celery jello back in the day. But they did not. They totally Gross. did. Oh. But back in the days when aspic was like was all the rage. All yeah. the rage. Whereas pumpkin becomes this it blossoms into this wonderful fragrant fall fruit. Yay! <laughs> or vegetable? Gourd? Is that gourd. the, the proper term for uh, vine vegetables? Boys and girls of every age, wouldn't you like to see something strange? Come with us and you will see this our town of Halloween. Let's kick it off by starting with the cookies. So, Eric, what have you brought? I brought pumpkin pie cheesecake sandwich cookies from Whole Foods. All right. And what did you bring, Taylor? I brought the pumpkin spice Oreos from Target. Uh, <laughs> nothing special to Good them. vintage. Just, yeah, yeah. All right. And I brought the pumpkin-flavored JoJo's. So we're basically going to be ca- comparing Whole Foods to Trader Joe's to Oreo. So. All right. Pass them around. All right. I think here we go. Should we comment right on the color? Now, what is this? It has the, the scent one? of um, Glade pumpkin spice air freshener. The Oreo is the only one that bothers to make it look really orange. I would describe the, the pumpkin flavor as delicately scented. It's artificial, though. But not overpowering. The texture of the cream is very smooth. I'm taking this very seriously. You're you guys don't laugh right at me. Like, yeah, I feel like it's softer than normal Oreo cream. Trader Joe's, JoJo's. Mm-hmm. Smell wise, the spice component of right the pumpkin there's a spice floral is a aspect to the spice. Much more spicy. Mm-hmm. It's essentially a spice cookie. I get a hint of ginger. Whole Foods. Very different than the other. Now, these smelled amazing coming out of the box. I think they're amazing. They are also cheesecake. I don't love that. (laughs) (laughs) They're a lot harder of a mouthfeel. But they're less sweet Mm -hmm. than that, which means you could eat a lot more of them. I I have my favorite, I think. I do, too. Yep. All right. Sarah, let's go around. Sarah, you start. I have to vote on the JoJo's, 100%. I would go for the, the Whole Foods pumpkin pie cheesecake one. 
I'm going to go for the JoJo's, too. I, I agree with Sarah and her impeccable taste. Mm. Thank you. I'm going to have to stick with a Hummer and, and go with my Oreos. Clearly, someone in a lab spent a lot of time making this, mm-hmm. and I appreciate that. I think I'm going to go with the Oreos, too. So, wait, we are we are split mm-hmm. on this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, next thing we have is, Sarah, what did you bring? I brought homemade chocolate chip pumpkin bread. It's not a secret family recipe. I got it off the internet, but I make it all the time. Do you know where on the internet? Probably like Epicurus or something. We can post it to the. We can post it to the. I can show, recite it from website. memory because that's how often I make it. Oh wow! Okay. And Allison, I brought Pillsbury Grands made with Cinnabon, cinnamon, pumpkin spice rolls, and icing. Now that you you might be tempted to pull your punches because Sarah is sitting here, mm. but I think she can take any criticism. I can. If you have any ideas, like needs more vanilla extract or something, I welcome them. The thing I would say That's about the tough. pumpkin bread is it's very nice, but the chocolate totally overpowers the pumpkin. One of the cardinal flavor. rules of broadcasting, I'm pretty sure, is that you should not drink milk or chew. We're breaking the rules. Or, or chew. chew. Yeah. <laughs> the topic of the bread. Mm. You have down. nailed the perfect dessert bread texture. Thank which you. Is, there's really dry and crumbly, and then there's like really moist and sticky. Mm-hmm. And this very is just uh, right. scared of your bread. Like right. I'm a threat to all other baked goods. The cinnamon pumpkin spice rolls by Pillsbury. And you made these in a crock pot. I did. If you have two and a half hours to kill, and you don't mind waiting. A plus texture. Ooh, those are good. Not as cinnamony as I would want yeah, out of I a cinnamon like roll. If they're gonna go pumpkin cinnamon, yeah. they yeah. need to be cinnamon rolls cinnamon. need to like hit you in the face with cinnamon flavor, and this my face is not hit. <laughs> the last thing to vote against for baked goods is the Trader Joe's macarons, which I don't know if that really counts. Trader Joe's anyway. wowed me with the JoJo's, so I'm optimistic about that. They're very mm. delicate. Okay, Crushed. I'm gonna go right out and say that these are awful. Really? <laughs> They taste more vegetable than cheese. I wouldn't go vegetable, but they don't taste like pumpkin. They don't taste like food. Wow. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> Allison's making a face. Doritos Loco Tacos in these are you guys? <laughs> I am not a fan. The texture is amazing. No, the texture very distinct. Whatever For a packaged macaroon, the texture is very My good. My tongue is weeping right now. It tastes really unpleasant. It's weird. My soul is fat. Usually Trader Joe's is spot on, but I don't know how this left the laboratory. It tastes just like Taco Bell cheese. It does not <laughs> taste just like Taco that is, Bell cheese. That is an cheese. uncanny similarity in those I'm feeling you're an expert on yeah, Taco Bell If you like, took Taco Bell cheese and melted it and mixed it with like brown sugar and a hint of cinnamon, I think you would get there. All right, we've had Whole Foods cookies, Trader Joe's cookies, Oreos, cinnamon rolls, bread, macaroons. What is your number one thing that we had today? I think the JoJo's were spot on. Those things were delicious. Yeah, not to like be biased against something I baked myself, but the JoJo's were really good. I, yeah, I found the ginger component in those to be aggressive and unpleasant. I would actually go with uh, Sarah's bread. Even though the chocolate did overpower, it still had a nice, wonderful texture and was pumpkin-y enough. Uh, Sarah's bread definitely uh, was up there for me. I'm, I'm still so biased towards those Oreos, though. And yet you didn't like the macaroons? No, the macaroons. Uh, <laughs> the Doritos Four Loco macaroons with cheese. Yeah. They just, uh, there's good science and there's bad science, and I think the Oreos are representative of good laboratory science, and then those macaroons, I don't know what the alchemists at Trader Joe's used to make those, but... It wasn't good. It wasn't good. No. It wasn't good. What about you, Allison? Oh, uh, I'm going to say I really liked your cinnamon rolls, but then I really like cinnamon rolls. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. a cinnamon roll is hard to beat for me. Uh, I think we've had some good things today. I think we've had... A bad thing today. <laughs> Can I vote? Do you want to do you want to vote just from based on our yeah, reaction? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna have to go with the pumpkin bread as well. 
Uh, I might recommend a little more clove in the mix, though. Clove? That's oh. not an ingredient, so oh, that I'm, might have to I'm become big on clove. one. Anything pumpkin spice has to have uh, a little bit of clove, clove is always nice. I could put some ground clove in there, yeah. The, that's that's my visual input on the, uh, on the <laughs> event here. The troubling thing to me about all of this is that I don't think any of these are made better by the addition of pumpkin and or pumpkin spice. I agree. Yeah, that's a really good point, Eric. I think the bread is made better. Well, yeah, I mean, like, pumpkin. you could also have banana bread, but that and could it's be, delicious. That could easily be banana bread, exactly. Bread None of them like are like, here is why pumpkin is awesome. It's here, let's throw some pumpkin onto something. It's possible, Sarah, there is actual pumpkin in your bread. Yes, there is definitely pumpkin. It's in possible it. that's yeah. the only thing on this table that actually has real pumpkin in it. I think what it is, it's, it's the spice. It's the nutmeg, clove, cinnamon combination. Ginger often. I think it evokes, I don't know, coziness and firelight and all sorts of good fall things after the summer. It's a nice break before the onslaught of the Christmas holidays where everything is... Peppermint. Peppermint, yeah. Peppermint hot chocolate and... They make peppermint Oreos. Does this mean you guys will be back for the peppermint challenge? Yeah. I, I will, will definitely be back. I will, I will eat all of the peppermint bark. Everything. That exists. I love that stuff. Eric's out. He's shaking his head. No, no, peppermint he's... is where I draw the line. Okay. All right. Well, folks, if you have it... Go to Trader Joe's and try the JoJo's. Do not get the macarons. And we will post Sarah's pumpkin and chocolate chip recipe. Go to answers.fool.com and check out the show notes. Thank you, guys. Thank, thank you. you. Hey, thanks, Allison. Thank you. All right, that's going to do it for today. I want to thank Eric, Sarah, Taylor, Anne, and Morgan for joining us. Next week on the show, Sean Gates is back to share some of his tried and true hacks for reducing your spending and sticking to a budget. He's probably going to find an excuse to say F you money again, so I'm just going to apologize for that now. The show is edited nutmegally by Rick Engdahl. Again, send us your video selfies. I would love to hear from you. So would the company. It's answers at fool.com. Just email it to me. If you're thinking, should I? The answer is absolutely yes. For Robert Brokamp, I'm Allison Southwick. Full on. Bye.